0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Volume 2, Episode 41, a.k.a. the finale of the Intercomics Podcast. No! (laughs) No! My name is Jack. I am one of your hosts, as usual, and as always. And joining me, we have a, 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 a larger group than usual, including a very special guest, which I'll get to in a minute. But, of course, the man who stuck with me for... Over four and a half years at this point. Mr. Dan, the Wham Cole. How are you, sir?
1: I'm not bad. I'm, um, am a little emotional, but as always, I'll be... Is it The Rock? Yes, I should be The Rock. You've you been The um, Rock of the show for
0: yeah, at least four years now at this point.
1: Siding this ship off with a bang, I feel.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And speaking of bangs, joining us, <laughs> completing the Triforce. He was not an original host, but he may as well have been. The <laughs> French Connection, Mister Matthew Wilmot. How are you, sir?
2: Uh, I'm good. I'm, uh, although I'm starting to starting to get the feels a little. I know, right? Now that now that we started, and it's like it's yeah. All I can hear is the doors playing in my head. <laughs> this is the end. Um... But no, I'm good. I'm good. Thank you.
0: Expect manly tears, listeners. Uh, oh, oh, many
2: manly tears. Speaking man, of manly tears, have you ever heard a gorilla cry? <laughs> that's, that's what he's going to sound like.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Speaking of manly tears, we are also joined by the butt doctor himself, Mr. Colbert Man, Doctor so, Colbert Man. Sorry, you guys. Doctor you guys Corbett are the
3: tri- you guys are the Triforce, and I'm the Butt Doctor. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <It's> not <laughs> Thank my fault. You you're a me, latecomer, you're dude. Special.
2: And, it you know, short someone's short got, short got short to look short. after the butts, so... Yeah.
0: You've got the most important job of all. If you're not looking after I'll... the butts, what are you looking after?
3: I'll be standing behind the Triforce.
0: <laughs> looking at its butt. It, making sure the Triforce's <laughs> butt is fine. Yeah.
3: It's good. Well, I hope you give uh, Michael a better interest than that. <laughs>
0: well, well, as a very special guest for our final episode, we couldn't <laughs> really have had anyone else. He's not a returning Aww. guest. He's making his debut and final appearance on the show simultaneously. <laughs> the man... So I'm like,
4: the, I'm like the kid that they add at the last season of every sitcom. Exactly. Yeah,
0: yeah. You're, <laughs> you're the Superman to our Smallville. You're in it for the last eight seconds but it's the best bit of the whole ten seasons.
3: The last, the last attempt at renewal. Exactly. exactly.
4: I'm just angling for my spin-off. <laughs> yeah. It's going to happen. I'd
0: put my money on it right now. And uh, this guy has pretty much been with us since day one as well. With me and Dan way back in 2013. Not Jeez. me. <laughs> Longer than Cool Beer. Matt, have you been listening since the first episode? Um, Yeah, I've been around since okay, then. Okay, okay. But yeah, people don't get much more OG in the Intercomics family than our biggest supporter, our first ever patron, the one and only... Mr. Michael T. Ford III, how are you,
4: sir? I'm very good, very good, all the way from New York City. That's awesome. I'm so glad (laughs) that you came on. I'm really
3: excited to have you here.
4: I'm excited to be here,
1: guys.
3: You have, like, a (laughs) mythical name.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I remember seeing... I I I Yeah, Yeah,
0: Mike and I have been Twitter acquaintances for years and years. I think it was originally talking about UFC... That you and i first probably, kind of connected probably definitely um and then for whatever reason we also learnt that the other one also likes comics and that kind of span on from there and I was like oh hey man I'm hosting a podcast blah 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 and yeah we, we've known each other ever since and it is this really weird kind of thing of and, and I've always kind of looked at twitter I've seen those initials just m t f i i i just like you've always been there man I really appreciate that
4: Thanks, man. Oh, <laughs> I <It's not laughs> get into the feels. Ten minutes in the episode. I know, right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> we are literally five minutes to the second into the episode, and <laughs> almost nearly crying already. But we have a pretty cheerful episode for you. Don't worry. We're going to be talking about our best of 2017, going through a few different categories, uh judging some books by their covers, talking about our favourite writers, artists. Graphic novels, all kinds of stuff. So, uh, should we dive into it, gentlemen? Should we get stuck in? Yeah. Let's kick things off by a pretty long-standing tradition on the show, judging some books by their covers. What are the best covers of 2017? And I think it's only fair, since it's your first and final appearance, Mike, for you to go first.
4: Okay, well... I I decided to execute some executive privilege and have two best covers.
5: Oh, so my first choice...
4: <laughs> no, it's first not like choice. we can be like,
0: oh, you're never going to come on again. <laughs> you, know, you can do what you want. You can get away with anything on this show. Uh,
4: my first choice is Secret Warriors 8, um, which I probably should have pulled up in order to figure out who drew it. But I'm clearly a novice. So...
0: Here comes
4: Let's the get to it. Secret Warriors 8.
0: I know the one you mean. It's the uh, kind of like huge explosion of characters.
5: I believe yes. it's by
0: Javier Mr. Garon. Sinister. I'll take your word for it. Is that right? Javier, um, it's yeah, Mr. Javier Mr. Garon. Yeah, Mr. Sinister with all the like, with Devil Dinosaur and Ms. Marvel and everything kind of exploding in the background. Is that the one?
4: Correct. Yeah. And Mr. Sinister's walking away looking badass, as he is wont to do.
0: It's a fantastic. He's got a great waistcoat tie combination.
4: I feel the waistcoat is a new symbol of villainy. Very <laughs> <laughs> and, and this is the year that I started incorporating the waistcoat. So.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there's, so you, a, your there's evil
4: four Mr. Sinisters on the cover. You, you have a super embigand. Version of Miss Marvel is a devil dinosaur looking badass as devil dinosaurs do. I love the, the, the uh, glove gun that Lunella Lafayette is using off to the right side. I mean, I think there's a lot of action, there's a lot being conveyed. And like I said, Mr. Sinister walking out looking like a badass what's not to like? Yeah, also, up. what's up?
3: I'll say it's a quite a nice spread, it's laid out really nicely.
4: Now my second choice, which could be a little controversial, is Defenders number four. That's Mm -hmm. the one where there's the graffiti defenders. Oh yeah, and then there are the defenders in the shadows. Who will defend us across the middle of the page? Who will defend us exactly? Big fan of that cover. I mean, I actually made that into my phone background screen for a little while. Nice. That's always a good sign
0: of a cover, isn't it?
4: Yeah, definitely. Uh, I I remember that co- that came out actually before the TV show came out, so I had high hopes for the series. And I said, you know, these covers are doing a great job of getting me, getting me hyped up for the show, which unfortunately let me down. But you know, still a great cover,
3: still a great cover. Yeah, that's pretty pimp. Little <laughs> Defenders. I don't think I saw that. I never read Defenders. <clears throat>
4: Maybe. you
3: gotta get into it uh, Bendis is uh, I, I feel like I've read enough Bendis to last me a while
0: you haven't read enough David Marquez that's for sure
3: that's also true
0: can you ever read too much David Marquez never
4: <laughs> it's it's, it's a beautiful book and it, yeah it is Bendis at his conversational best <laughs> writing writing his characters like a sitcom <laughs>
3: There's a high, high praise indeed. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, it's true for Bendis. If he's doing that, he's finally got it.
0: <laughs> awesome. So moving on, but doctor, what's your pick for 2017's uh, Best uh, cover.
3: I thought I'd get some more respect for the final show. Uh, my name is Bolt. Um There are plenty of like cover artists that I've always like enamored with, but, uh, I, I decided to choose something that was uh, someone's not known for his cover, so it's Christian Maud. Mm. And uh, I think we talked about it when it came out, actually, because it was made into the, the animated GIF, wasn't it? Oh, man,
0: that GIF. It's so incredible. Good. So good.
3: <laughs> and he's taken on this kind of David uh, Aja uh, kind of symbolism where you just, the whole page is black, but you see some stripes that are just his, what the defect in his mask is. And you see his mouth, his nose, you see his eyes. And then this the beautiful symbol and it's just gorgeous the way it looks. It's just simple white line drawing. And it's just beautiful to look at. It's just the symbolism. And it just highlights the importance of Bolt straight away. And that's why I like it. It's just... It's one of those covers that you just don't is so enigmatic. And it's so simple. It hasn't got much on the page. But it tells the story that you want it to tell. So... All credit to Christian Ward, who's been amazing on this book, by the way. And I feel like it's one of those undercover books that no one really knows is good. Mm. It doesn't sort very well, but people know that it's actually good. So the people who like good writing will will find out.
0: There's a little tease for one of my later categories. I'm going to be talking about this series Mm. in one form or another later on. So I, Uh, I totally agree with you. This cover is what initially drew me to the first issue. And yeah. It's the the wishbone, as it's called in the in the comic itself the the logo on his head, and I think David IHa is a, is a good comparison because David is known for using his white kind of open space, but this is just pitch black and basically the opposite, and yeah I would,
4: yeah, I would wear this cover as a t-shirt fuck yes. yeah, fuck, yes, I would absolutely.
0: Definitely. It probably already exists. To be fair, we need to get. If it doesn't, we need to get. That'll be our new venture outside of Intercomics, is just stealing people's artwork and printing it on T-shirts for profit. I, I
2: think my always exists, Jack. It's called Redbubble. Oh
0: yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> or Etsy. Or All
3: right, so, no, I think I once, um, you know, in uh, Fraction Hawkeye with David Arhat, there's a scene where he's going to fight the gangsters and he stands outside of his building and he has his bow downwards.
5: Mm-hmm. Like the best yeah. page
3: ever. So I actually had that on I mean, a white t-shirt for Thought Bubble many years ago. Before I you guys, because I got it printed because I was like so in love with that page. <laughs> just the greatest thing ever. So yeah, this is something that we should do as well. I'll try to see if it's actually been done.
0: I'm sure uh, it has it's... somewhere. I'm sure somebody has thought of it. There's, there's the rule of if you thought of it, someone on the internet has done it kind of thing.
3: Mm-hmm. That that's not a good rule to live by, Jack.
0: <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not wrong, though, am I?
3: <laughs> no, but you have to believe that your ideas are original. <laughs> as you can see, I don't abide by that.
0: <laughs> so coming next to Mr. Daniel Cole, what's your cover of the year, sir?
1: Well, I wouldn't put it on a T-shirt, but um, <laughs> I'd, ser- I'd certainly have it as a poster. Um, it's Aliens: Dead Orbit Number Two. Uh, James Stokoe's wonderful chest bear front cover. Um, I just think it's it's the image that one of the one I, mean, I I saw four covers of the year. All four of his <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> issues came to my head immediately. Yep, me too. <laughs> um, and because because they came straight to my head immediately, I thought it was only fair that I pick one. As opposed to look for anything else. The only other the only other book that covers came to my head immediately were the Mighty Four. Um, yeah. But we'll talk about that later. Um. And this one just encapsulates everything I kind of loved about the series. It's just it's got like the, the horror aspect, the stark black like sort of background, the xenomorph almost like a planetoid on itself with like a little. Satellites of debris swimming around it, and just the 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 grimace on the poor guy's face, who looks like he should be in hospital hospital beds, but is attached to all this machinery. It just if it, it screams like a homage to Geiger at the same time as being something strikingly original. Um, or not original in the sense of like the stoko art. It's, it's a beautiful piece of work, and if that doesn't make you want to read. The book,
0: I don't, I don't know, I don't know what will. <laughs> um, basically, so yes, that's mine. Yeah, the amount of detail Stokoe manages to cram into pages on the interiors and the covers as well, like like you said, all the machinery kind of above his head is just jam packed with little nooks and crannies and shadows and light bits and like yeah, there's like a is that like a life like monitor floating off. Mm-hmm. yeah it's amazing
1: it's a crazy cover but I love it
0: and something we kind of hinted at just then Matthew Wilmot how about you
2: well you know me I'm always a sucker for a nice minimalist cover um you know the black bolt cover is gorgeous I would wear it on a t-shirt um but I thought I'd go for something big seeing as it's the the last episode so I'm going for The Mighty Thor, number 700. Um, you know, I, I think it's safe to say that just about all of us love Russell Dortmund. Yeah. Uh, just about all of us love Matt Wilson. And then you stick the, both of them together and they give you gold. They really do. Um, it is just, a, I believe it's a wraparound, but you just have all the Thors, like all of them. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you got Jane Thorster you got the unworthy Thor, you've got Young Thor, Old King Thor, Throg, Beta Ray Bill. They're 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 all on there, and they are all stunningly captured in this sort of um, like Super Avengers fun time jump attack from the beginning of Age of Ultron. That's what it reminds me of. <laughs> they're all just yes. leaping forward across the screen. Yeah, and it's just it's one of those covers that it's. It can't not grab your attention. There's so much color going on. There's so much action to the scene. It, you know, you just look at it and you just think somebody is going to get a face full of hammer or hammers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like sort of someone is going to the emergency room after all this. I mean, you can um, pretty
4: much hear immigrant song in the background. You, you can, you
2: yeah, <laughs> you can. It's. It's so bizarre that it's like I think there's very few covers that have ever done that where you just looked at it and sort of you know, you you have heard the sounds of it, you've heard the music behind it, it's sort of like you can just sort of taste what's gonna happen next. So yeah, Mighty Thor is a good one. You know, it's I wouldn't say that it's been like amazing throughout its run for covers, but every now and then it just drops some gold.
0: That was also on my shortlist. You got, you guys totally are along the same sort of lines as me. Pretty much all of these have been on a shortlist of mine in some form. Um, uh, for sure. I ended up picking something I haven't actually read yet. I own the first volume of this series, but uh, it was this cover that captivated me. and uh, I have no idea if the series lives up to the cover. I assume it doesn't. <laughs> but um, it is God country number one, and is oh. in in a similar way to the the um black bolt book just kind of catching my attention that's the reason I read that series. This is the reason I picked it up and Jeff Shaw, a who's an artist I'm not particularly familiar with captured this amazing epic moment of this this tornado this crazy maelstrom of lightning and thunder <clears throat> cracking through the american countryside and this godlike being with this enormous final fantasy style sword looming towards it heading towards the storm it's incredibly epic and really kind of sets the mood and tone. I can imagine this almost being like a mix of Preacher and American Gods or something like that. And, uh... Mm. Sounds like you don't I, like it, Colbert. No, no. I was
3: going to say, God Country's probably one of the best new image books has been.
0: Oh, really? Okay. Yeah,
3: it's fantastic.
0: See, all the I noises you were making in the background, I was like, oh, Colbert clearly hates it. Uh, no, no, no. It's,
3: I was just saying it's not, it's not quite like that. Okay. But, mm. uh... Uh, but it's a really good book. Have you got it?
0: I have, yeah. I've got the first volume on my shelf uh, at the moment. Let's see. So do I. Let me know what you think. How many issues in are there? Eight, huh? I think. Something like that.
3: It's All a right. very small. It's a very small book, and it ends.
4: <laughs> it ends. Yeah. yeah. What on the last episode of the intercom were talking about things that end? That's yeah. That's,
3: <laughs> <it's> a, that's <laughs> not right. It's a comic book. <laughs> one, it has to finish.
4: <laughs> I don't like endings.
3: Oh. Ending what it's all about. I say that it gives you any substance. <laughs> <laughs> if we don't die, then what's life mean?
2: Jesus, gosh, we're <laughs> we're going deep and philosophical on
0: this last episode. Jesus,
2: wait, someone we'll make a dick joke to, to get us back to where we need to be. Well, there's
0: I mean, no someone... end to my dick, am I right, Matt? Yeah, someone's
4: going to mention the giant sword. Walking towards the rainbow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's really good actually.
3: It's a really touching, kind of interesting, kind of fantasy and realistic book as well. So I think you'd really enjoy it, Jack. Nice. So uh, yeah, it's boss. You say it's boss. I did say it's boss.
1: What are we like in Grange Hill now?
5: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Grange Hill, are you judging me?
2: Yes,
4: no. always.
3: <laughs> No,
4: no. <laughs> yeah, it's very good. Well, it to... passes the Would I wear it as a t-shirt test? That should be what this character is called. <laughs> would you, would you <laughs> wear it as a t-shirt? <laughs> I would wear the
0: hell out of that as a t-shirt.
2: Stay tuned for our next podcast series. Would <laughs> you wear it as a t-shirt?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Every episode is just a series of yes, no, maybe, no. Depends on the colour. Better than a vest. (laughs) I prefer a hoodie. Maybe. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) No.
3: String vest. Yeah,
0: exactly. Can I have a black bolt string vest, please? (laughs) (laughs)
5: Um,
3: That's a good covers. I have to say, I did I did kind of look at the Russell Dortman ones and think they're so hard to pick, because yep. I do think there's a lot of good ones out there. They're also for Secret Empire as well.
1: Good old Secret Empire. Empire. Yep. Underrated book. Best event of 2017. Boom. Ooh, that's, I had <laughs> that's
0: not one of our categories, but it could be.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Well, what else this choose well, Metal? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so what, I, that, was I, that was
0: this year, I and that's a piece of shit.
1: How
3: much merchandise there is around metal. Let's, not
1: talk, know, metal. let's not, not talk about metal. Let's not talk about metal. Let's talk about good things. Yeah, but 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 if but we rant. This is what we do. Yeah, but do no, no, if we talk about metal now, I haven't even read it. I haven't even read a comic book properly because of my laptop in like a month, but I still know about metal because no one... No one will shut up about it. And there's, like, another metal book every five seconds. Metal Batman in his metal tighty, whitey's metal Batman with his, like, <laughs> fucking penis up some other Batman's face. Uh, I don't know. Dan, I'm totally not ranting cold. Right? No, yeah. Yes, Basically, yes. yeah. Yeah, it's it's Batverse.
3: <laughs> edge of edge of Batverse. Look, when
0: they,
3: they named an element Batmanium, I was out. Fuck <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> did They Fuck you. I have not read that's worse than
0: unobtainium. No, but if
1: you if you called it edge of Batmanian, Batmanian, Uh, that uh, sounds sounds better to me. Edge of Batmania,
0: Batmania. edge of Batmania.
4: (laughs) What you gonna do when Batmania runs behind on you?
0: (laughs) When me and the millions and millions of adopted children, brother. Okay, I'm, I'm casting Terry Balea as Dark Knight Returns. <laughs> the <laughs> Orange Knight. <laughs> Orange <laughs> Knight. <laughs> oh. Uh, oh.
3: No more covers. That's all the covers. No more covers.
0: Let's move on that to our next cool. category, which is a suggestion by cool Beer which I thought was an odd one, but I did actually manage to come up with something, which I'm quite pleased with. It's a Reboot of the Year. Yeah.
1: I didn't get it at first. <laughs> I was like, what does he mean? <laughs> like, what kind of reboot?
0: Everything's been restarted. I was like, almost literally everything has had a new number one, and I guess you could count that. <laughs> it's like, you could go with like, anything.
1: Because I was like, is it comics only? Or, or yeah. do we go, do we
0: go? All right, then. Well, I picked one. So We're the Intercomics right. podcast, Daniel. But we talk about other things. We haven't in fucking ages. No, we do not. mean, <laughs> we did talk about other things. We did in Volume that. 1 many, many moons ago. Yeah. We used to do like time, specific episodes every time a comic book movie came out, and then they started coming out like 15 times a year, and we were just like, fuck this.
1: This is true.
0: Anyway. I found one anyway, so that's okay. Go for it, Dan.
1: All right, so I found um, Supergirl being super... Um, which is a sort of retelling of Kara's origins, just in time to for season two of the TV show. Um, and this is the best girl book than the one DC's producing. The other one DC's producing, I suppose I should say. And it's probably the best Supergirl book that's been written in the last. I don't Jack, don't say that. Has there ever been a good Supergirl book? I can feel it. I can feel you saying you that can in your head to it.
4: Well, but, um, I was going
3: to say it too, so... Anyway. I, but, yeah.
1: <laughs> <can't think> of... <laughs> well, okay, you people, this is the best Supergirl book ever. Okay, there you go. There
4: you go. With no Speaking competition whatsoever.
1: whatsoever. <laughs> no, no, no competition. So it's uh, kind of like, like
4: the boot rather than the reboot. Yes. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's the and first boot, time it's um... been booted.
4: Properly booted.
1: It works, it works, because the one thing that um, the creative team, and obviously, um, once I say that uh, Joelle Jones is drawing it, most people are like, Oh, should we read it? Um, Mariko Tamake um, uh, is, is um, writing it. Um, basically, what they do really well is they don't forget that she's a teenage girl. Nice. And um, that really works. And they have like moments where she's more concerned about, like teenage girls are, more concerned about texting her friends and stuff. Because it, it's in a world where she is the only super... So, so, well, she is the only superpower. And there's a massive gap between her normal life and using her superpowers. Um, but it never, ever forgets that she has a normal life. She has friends. And teenagers do things like text, like complain about like food or talk about stupid stuff. And it's in those tiny moments that the book really shines. And I'm going to talk about... Um, Tamake again and I think uh, she's well she just really has captured a, a phenomenally good Kara <laughs> here and um, we all know how good Jones can be and the book just is so beautiful it, it's, um, they're sort of maxi issues um, and I think it's collected next year but as, as, of, as of now it is the reboot or boot whatever you want to call it um, that I would say is the best of the year
3: Ah, uh, see, the problem is, Dan, that you're just wrong.
1: What?
3: You see, I deliberately put Justice League, but my real answer is not Justice League.
0: Oh. What? Huh? <laughs> fucking double-crossing us and... <laughs> is there no reboot? Faking us out. <laughs> no, it's Runaways. Oh, shit. Oh, my
1: goodness. But is that a reboot, though, or a continuation? Oh. Ooh.
0: <laughs> uh, it's Yours wasn't I a run, reboot, like... Dan, so, you know.
3: What if, what if I decide, because I came up
1: with the category... <laughs> but anyway <laughs> it's, it's, not it's how, con- I'm not disagreeing that uh, Winner Race is one of the great comics of this year but it's clearly a continuation not a reboot well,
3: or a boot yeah. it is It is exactly a boot because <laughs> alright are it's, we all
0: Canadian now what's going yeah. on
3: <laughs> it hasn't existed for what how what is
0: Runaways a boot
3: <laughs> <laughs> I think Runaways is, is actually the best return of a series and I uh, I think it is a Anyway, it's so a relaunch. It's a relaunch. I'll talk about
0: Fuck hell. relaunch, <laughs> reboot, who cares? Talk about runaways, <laughs> cool, yeah.
3: Well this is great. There you
0: go. I meant um... fucking elaborate, <clears throat> don't just end it there. Oh, well.
3: <laughs> 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 so right. it's about the return of Gert. So obviously it ended in dramatic fashion in her death and this is about her return. And also how to how the, the team have moved on and how she is kind of feeling the immediacy of what happened in the old title and her moving on to the fact that every other character has now moved on, done different things, and it's just not where they used to be. But the heart of this book lies not only just a good writing in the fact that he's the that Rainbow Rowell actually does a very good kind of single character dialogue and good emotional kind of the way it's just stick. The way uh, it's a she, isn't it, May Uh mm-hmm. It's uh, it's just very nice personal conversations and like very meaningful and powerful. But because anchor is the heart of this book, because no one can really draw expressions as good as he does so simply. And as soon as you realise that he was on the book, it was like the perfect fit for it. So uh, it's just it's a slow it's a slow moving book. It's a slow burner for my liking but I really enjoy it and there's a lot to kind of take from issue, even though not a lot of events happen it's kind of your classic kind of slow burn book which is what it's, I like
1: it's, it's beautiful it's it, it's I agree with you it's the character moments as well that uh Anka does between yeah. Victor and um in the latest issue um where she knows he's awake when everyone yeah. else just assumes he's not that was I'm- such a beautiful moment uh
3: and he was great when he uh, took over a bit of X-Men and did a bit of Dazzler, because the Dazzler stuff was really emotionally well done as well. Um, so yeah, that was, that was my reboot. I mean, I do like Justice League. I think Priest's uh, latest couple of issues have been amazing in the way he does dialogue in Justice League. But as a, depending on what you want to define your definition of this category as, I'll go for one of these.
4: See, my problem with that is I had Runaways on my short list, but I figured they're still kind of in the midst of the reboot. They haven't gotten all the way there yet. They haven't been booted yet. Exactly. It's your, you know, the chime is playing, but not all the icons on your desktop have loaded yet. So (laughs) that's that's why I ultimately uh, put it behind my top choice, Jessica Jones, uh, which I thought was a proper reboot in that it took a character that had made a significant amount of progress and integration into the universe and found a way to turn her back into an outsider, found a way to um, position her emotionally where we first met her when we were reading Alias those many years ago, you know, from the covers that, Are evocative of the old Alias covers, to the dialogue, to even her, you know, spoiler alert, temporary estrangement from Luke, I thought it did a great job in, you know, a moment from the opening page of putting you back in the mind state of Jessica Jones, who just gives no fucks about the existing superhero orthodoxy. Are you guys reading
3: Jessica Jones? I started yeah. it and then I stopped.
1: Well, you're just wrong, aren't you, Colby? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much.
3: I literally probably would carry on collecting it just to get the covers because the covers are always amazing.
1: It might, it may read be better. I think it may be better in in trade.
3: Right, I buy it as a trade now, just for you, Michael. Okay. Oh, not, not for not... me.
1: Cheers, <laughs> cheers. Special guest on. It's like, oh, like...
4: <laughs> what about you, Dan? Are you reading it?
1: Yeah, I am. I am actually really enjoying it. Um, as opposed to Colbia, I don't get bored and throw things away in like ten seconds.
5: <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I I, I, I I agree with you. I think um, she's more interesting now than she has been since the previous volume, and I'd agree that this is more of a reboot than a relaunch.
3: So like, was yeah. there actually a change then, in during the middle of this? Which issue did it change? It just where does it change? Is it just carries on from issue one? Uh, what, like, I don't
4: understand
3: the question. So, yeah, did, Marvel what has done their little reboot a few uh, months ago? Does it change yeah. anything? Is it, has the book changed tone or anything, or is it just carries on its own story? Um,
4: but, well, I mean, it, ironically, that figures into the first plot. She realizes that there's something wrong with the multiverse, and she doesn't really, she isn't really even keen on what the multiverse is.
3: Isn't this? She starts off looking for a kid, doesn't she, in the first few issues? Yes. Yeah, Yeah. that's why I I think I read the first arc.
1: It'll be interesting to see how it's ended, uh, or how Bendis ends
4: it. Um, Yeah. Bummer. When he goes. Well, I, I guess well Bendis is going into April. So I guess there's enough time to probably finish this this last arc with the Purple Man. Mm. We shall see. We shall see. I'm intrigued. Hmm.
3: That's a good choice. I approve.
0: <laughs> Mine is a reboot of some of the characters in the book, but not all the characters in the book. It's a weird one. It is the... <laughs> crossover, reboot, one-shot weird thing that was Batman slash Elmer Fudd (laughs) because this book has no right to be good it should be like if we had a worst of the year category in theory, this should be at the top of that fucking pile somehow, they make gritty Bugs Bunny and Hitman mercenary Elmer Fudd still with speech impediment intact Kick ass <laughs> and badass in Gotham and one of my favourite Bat books of the last few years. It makes no fucking sense. It should not be as good as it is. And the versions of these Looney Tunes characters are just insane and fantastic and
4: I would love to see more. It's exceptionally clever the way it's done. Well, I mean, spoilers for later in the episode. But you see that first name on the top of the list. Hell's yeah. <laughs>
3: That's true. But yeah, it's brilliant. It's, uh, it's so cleverly done. The, the way this storyline interweaves is just, it's just lovely. Uh, I, I got it because people are like, What do you mean? Have you not heard the reviews for this? And I was like, All right, all right. So then I was like, Bought it, and I was like, Ah, oh, this is good. Like, I was like, I'll, I'm into this DC Looney Tunes crossover,
4: which is, just sounds ridiculous. Yeah. If someone told me 10 years ago, that that would be a sentence that someone would would say, in all seriousness.
3: Yeah. <laughs> so,
0: good choice.
3: It is it's a reboot of Looney Tunes, isn't
0: it? It is. It is. It's not rebooting Batman. It's rebooting the Looney Tunes. <laughs> yeah. So there
1: is
4: you it go. It. <coughs> the so does that mean Looney Tunes on. are part of? The multiverse
0: now in the DC yep. multiverse. Yep. Hanna Barbera is part of the DC universe. Looney Tunes is part of the DC universe. Multiverse thing. Yep. Absolutely.
4: Entries.
3: And Matt, you didn't have a choice.
2: Um, no, because I didn't notice this question and forgot <laughs> to think about it <laughs> and it'll fill it in. So, so I'm gonna I'm gonna put in generic token response and just say, secret empire question?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
5: yeah.
0: And what is that a reboot of, Matthew? Um, the last 50 years of hey, <laughs> Nazi cap, that's what it's a reboot
2: of. Everything since the war. So-so. <laughs> then um, it reboots
1: itself again, halfway through. So, yeah. <laughs>
0: So it's a reboot. Your favourite reboot is page reboot. twelve of Secret Empire, where the reboot happens twice.
5: Yes,
2: that 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 is it. I, mean, I, I believe I believe your referencing is right, so so I will take it.
0: I pulled that page number out of my ass, Matt. I'm afraid. <laughs> I, I expect nothing you. less, <laughs> or or nothing more. I think it's more appropriate yeah. there,
2: perhaps. Um, yeah, it's, I, a sort of... good,
3: it's a surprisingly good choice, actually.
2: Don't encourage him. Yeah, he's not about to say, I just thought it up on the spot.
3: No, it is good, because it's like, oh, he's an Nazi. Oh, no, he's not. There's your reboot. Who'd have thought that was coming?
0: Oh, wait, uh, literally everyone who had common sense and didn't freak out about it on the internet. That's
3: exactly. It. Exactly. There you go. What a category, Jack. What a category.
0: God, best category of them all, Cool Bill. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't have had a show without it. <laughs> just wouldn't have been the same, mate. Unbelievable. <laughs> what a highlight of the last four and a half years! That last seven minutes was. Anyway,
1: um, Matthew, as you don't have well, as you i of had a reboot, get out of jail free card. <laughs> what is um? What is your uh, colorist of the year? Because instead of, instead of starting with writer or artist, let's go with color.
2: Um.
3: Have oh, we gone out of order? <gasps> yeah. Don't get me upset.
2: That that's fine. Jack's allowed to get upset We don't have to listen to Jack anymore He doesn't have to tell us what to do (laughs) We're free (laughs) I'm not a number I'm a man This is the end of my tyranny Uh, Okay, colourist Definitely not just making this one up On the spot I honestly wrote this one down.
0: This this is a person I've actually heard you mention in the past. I know yeah. for a fact you're not making this up on the spot.
2: I know uh, Elizabeth uh, Breitweiser, um, just because she doesn't get enough love, and everything that she does is fantastic. Um, I can't think of a book that she's been on that hasn't been my favorite, like my favorite coloring in a book, ever. <laughs> Is that every time I see her work, I'm just blown away by it. Um, you know, it's just with we, yeah, you know, we we're living living in the time now where you know, obviously colorists are getting a lot more attention. Uh, you know, it's the done thing now to make sure that they get credit for it and people realize just how much effort they put into making the book. And but they're just coloring between the lines, right? Well, yeah, but you know like they actually stay within just the lines. On the... Yeah, but it's a skill to stay inside the lines.
0: Ah, right.
2: That that's yeah, that, why they get paid the
0: big bucks.
1: That yeah, that's
2: the thing. You can't you can't go over the lines. Otherwise, that's terrible. Tell that and to then, Frank Miller.
1: You just use that paint bucket from MS Paint where you just fill the whole thing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fill color. I, fill.
2: Yeah, Bloom, I, I
0: miss red, MS Paint. Green.
2: Can I just say, I miss MS Paint.
0: It's still around. It's now Paint 3D, available on Windows 10. No,
2: I, don't I want, saw I advert don't for want that ash- literally
0: yesterday. I wanted to blow my brains out.
2: Do not want. Hashtag, not my paint. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, Elizabeth Bert is just, just a phenomenal talent. And I think any time you get chance to bigger up, you should. So I wonder
0: if the listeners can guess what writer and artist team that she is a part
2: of. Hmm. I if wonder. Matt's talking send, about send,
0: my favourite books ever, basically. I yeah, wonder who that could be.
2: Yeah. Send your uh, thoughts in to on a way you won't be able to. Ha ha!
0: Hey. hey! Spoiler alert, it's Baker and Phillips.
4: <laughs> oh, you gave it away. I wanted no. them to try and write.
0: Send snail mail to my flat in Norwich at
2: <laughs> to Jack, my flat in Norwich, England. <laughs> P.O. box something. And see if he gets there. Close enough. I love it.
0: Dan, how about you?
1: Well, mine's picked mainly because of one book and it's just in Ponza and it's his work on the Defenders, because that book is gorgeous to look at in every yeah, I want to make
4: love to those interiors. Oh
0: my lord! <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's, a,
4: that's, that's a dirty, perverse
3: thing you do as a teenager. was bit of a... a that's show. why my
0: defenders' pages keep sticking together. That makes sense.
3: <laughs> Frank Joe. there you go. Yep.
0: it's
1: just it's it, it's just gorgeous. From uh, the fight between Iron Fist and Elektra to the scenes within nightclubs, Ponza just makes it all come alive so vibrant and it but at the same time it feels like it belongs on the streets. Um like I like I know any streets. Um but <laughs> you know it, street corners down, not actual yes, streets. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. The more read in a book, the more I like relate to them. Um but anyway, um it's just gorgeous. His work just makes it uh, and spoiler alert, I may be talking about someone who also <laughs> Just to find that book later. So does stuff on that book. Mm, that sounds
0: odd. That sounds like what. That's why doing. your
2: pages are sticking
0: together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> doing your business all over that book. Indeed, I really enjoyed Ponza's work in the Miles Morales series as well. As up and yes. down as that his arc and storyline have been throughout the year, Ponza's coloring and him teaming with people like Sarah Pacelli has kind of. Been the the constant good thing about that series.
1: His his colours of Tokyo in Miles' recent. Oh man, it's yeah, so a beautiful thing to see. And I love the way he colours the new Sinister Six, especially the um, Iron Spider. Is that is he called Iron Spider? I don't. Uh,
0: not I call him Iron Spider. Aaron Spider. Yeah. Or Uncle Iron, that. I guess you can call him. Uncle Iron. <laughs> Uncle Iron. <laughs> 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 I make it sound like <laughs> Tony Stark. <laughs> yeah. Mike, how about uh, you?
4: So, I, I had to pick ACO I don't know if that's how it's pronounced but that's how I'm pronouncing it The Nick Fury book underrated oh. series Oh
3: yes, oh, that God. was
1: fantastic God. You I want to that.
4: talk about gorgeous interiors every, it's it's like a bouquet of fragrant art and every book, every page is a delight the colouring is amazing and spoilers for later in the episode same person coloured it as penciled it and as as far as I'm concerned best book in terms of visuals the entire year
0: Cool Ben. How about you?
3: Uh, well, I think it's finally uh, time to give Matt Wilson some props. Um, I've been championing Matt Wilson for the last few years. He actually won his Eisner this year, which is a bit overdue as far as I'm concerned. But he's just uh, he's be covering just so many different books that we all read. Like uh, he's on Cry Havoc, Paper Girls, Wicked Divine, Black Widow, Mighty Thor, and Star Lord as well. And um, Captain America. And if you think about all those books and how they all look so unique and different, not just because of the art, but also how the colour palettes look completely different, you'll appreciate how much time he devotes to each book and how different he makes everything look as well. And I think Mighty Thor is probably the best example of his work because everything just shines in that book. It's like, it just gleans from page to page. And, and I know Dartman is just phenomenal, but I think the colouring has a lot to do with that as well, especially the way the metalwork of her armour and her shield uh, and... The, mm, and uh, Molyneux and her helmet looks it uh, always just looks immaculate, and I'm just really happy that he's finally got some more credit because he's always look, gets overlooked as far as I'm concerned,
2: but uh, well, can I just say obvious choice?
3: yeah because it's good <laughs> <laughs> No, you're
2: like, oh, he doesn't get the credit that he deserves. he's on like every book ever.
3: Yeah, but he's also never he won was the award. My choice.
2: He was going to be my choice until the, quick, the very
1: last minute change.
3: Mm. But uh, thanks for uh, bitching on the obvious choice. Who's the best colorist? He's wow. a
1: fantastic colorist. He's... I just, I literally just read Captain America where he, Captain America fights the Swordsman, and Ooh. the book is one of the most beautiful, oh, things, gorgeous things ever. Like I'm not this this It's just you know everyone puts him in the top ten there. Matt yeah. put him in the top ten list last year, yeah year I top. did,
2: yeah. Mm. So I'm I'm just all I'm bitching about is your he doesn't get the credit he deserves. He does get the credit he deserves. We've been talking about Matt Wilson for years,
4: I don't, so it's kind of like a reboot.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> the best reboot was giving credit to Matt Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> We've done it twice.
5: Uh,
3: I was more talk about the fact that he's a funny one, Eisner. That's what I was talking about. It's
2: not about awards, Gordia. That's what this show's about!
4: It's about our
0: awards. Exactly.
2: <laughs> well, Who cares well, it's about the items everything. when
0: you can win a best of the 2017 from the last episode of the Intercomics podcast? <laughs> the Intercomics.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that sounds very dodgy. All the... I'm sure the American audience <laughs> will
0: love that. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> That's... Coming from the one American guy.
3: Join up all the communist empires of the world.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, like American comics in Japan are known as Amekomi, short for America Comics, like American comics. So, in- intercomies isn't without reason. That's probably what we our awards will be called in Japan. <laughs> Here we go. I mean,
3: we, we don't call them Jappy <laughs>
0: Jesus Christ! No, we don't. <laughs> for a reason, cool beer. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Anyway, so. I said picked
3: it. Is that, that
0: going to be edited? No. Before, 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 I, before I transition.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> before I transition to My Best Colorist, the listeners might have picked up already this is going up entirely unedited, in full, uncensored, un everything. So that's the why Cole you now Joy know that Cool Beer is a racist.
3: Apologise to top. I'm not I'm saying that's not what we call it and it's not an appropriate title. That's exactly my point.
0: <laughs> you did not say they're not appropriate, but you just said we could call them this and Because and you all said it with such a glee. Before you I finished
3: Before <laughs> I finished it was like ah, you just drowned me out. So like, yes.
0: <laughs> exactly. For good reason, no, you're right. Really drowning out.
3: You're the guys who've turned me to a
0: racist. I like <laughs> oh my God. The, the the three white guys yes. on the show are like, Yeah, you're the racist.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Have you forgotten that, Brown? It's not, I can't be
4: racist. I told you that. Have I taught you nothing over the years? As the other non white person on the podcast, I will concur. Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah I'm not alone anymore.
0: <laughs> Shit, guys, they're working together. What do we do? <laughs> reboot! Reboot. reboot! Yes! <laughs> reboot back to an entirely white cast on the intercomics
4: podcast (laughs) 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 oh no (laughs) remember
2: Remember the the intercomics HD comics anyway
0: race relations aside my best colorist of the year is my man Rico Renzi basically for his work on Spider-Gwen because that is one of the most dynamic and colorful books i've ever seen and is basically the visual style of it is defined by his purples his pinks his beautiful touches that add that extra layer of kind of neo tokyo to earth 65 that jason latour and robbie rodriguez have created and rico and and robbie have both said in interviews and things like that how much they work together in finalizing the look of everything and even jason being an artist himself like chips in with designs and ideas and things like that and the three of them really work together in collaborating and coming up with things and you can kind of tell how integral Recro is to that series when you have a guest artist show up and he's still the colorist, and he is that connective tissue just like Justin Ponza, like I said with the Miles books, you have that constant person on the art team keeping keeping everything kind of consistent through artistic changes or delays or whatever, you've got people like Rico and Justin kind of holding down the fort and 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 kicking ass. He
3: was on a Loose Ends as well.
0: Oh, yes, yeah. Another Jason Latour joint.
3: And a stunningly coloured book as well.
0: I haven't read that. I need to get around to that.
3: No, it's pretty freaky, but it's awesome.
4: <laughs>
0: on to our oh. next category, which is Best Graphic Novel or miniseries of the year and Mike I'll come back around to you
4: well I gotta go with Kingpin oh, good, um, good it was choice, sir. underrated gem definitely but the story of Kingpin both trying to go straight trying to write uh, have a book written about his his right. attempts to go straight while the underworld seems around him um I don't. I mean, Rosenberg really did a good job of making his New York his own and making it feel lived in, making his characters feel real. And, you know, I mean, it, it closed its arc well. It put him on, it didn't really move him forward that far, but it still gave you a lot of insight into how the kingpin operates and why he's been so effective, um, particularly in a world where there are superheroes and he is not a superpower being.
0: Unless you get the comic, the weird comic version where it's like, it's not fat, it's all muscle for some reason. Because <laughs> right. that's a thing that's possible <laughs> thing. with human anatomy, and I'm not a metahuman. I think you'd have to be a metahuman to be that yeah. simultaneously fat and muscular.
4: Yeah, the blob is basically <laughs> on his corner, like, infringement. You'll hear from my lawyers. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's weird how Kingpin's kind of had a stellar couple of years with, you know, him being such an integral and important part of the Daredevil first season, and also showing up in the second season as well, and, yeah, getting his own series and kind of suddenly having him as this sympathetic villain you actually care about, rather than just, he's- And now happy. he's the mayor of New York. Exactly, yeah, it's crazy, it's crazy. That's somebody who's gone underappreciated and and gets his due. Not this Matt Wilson fellow, Wilson Fist. Speaking of Wilsons, he's the Wilson that's gone underappreciated.
4: Well, he, well, I mean, he had he had one of the great he had one of the great stories in in Civil War Two. He had one of the great stories in Secret Empire, and you know he had this great mini. He's he's having a he's having a run. Everything's coming up Kingpin. <laughs>
2: Matthew, how about you? There's only one answer here, Jack. Oh, <clears throat> one right answer here, and it's two. It's two words with a hyphen: man <laughs> and thing. You got man thing. It's written by R.L. Stein. I don't need to say anything else. <laughs> it would not be an intercomic show unless I was talking about man thing. How big? How big were these books, Matt? They were giant size. Hey, there you go.
3: <laughs> I've, why is your obsession with man thing?
2: Uh, I just like it because of how ridiculous it is. Oh. It's, it's it's essentially a comic book character that's named after a penis. <laughs> and He has, he has three penises face. hanging yeah, from got, his face. Yeah, he's got three penises from his face. He's like. How can you not love it? It's so ridiculous. And... He,
0: was he designed by H.R. Gigos? That's where this is going. I mean, um, he also
1: makes
2: you burn an itch. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he makes you burn an itch. You're fearful. of. You know. Let's be honest, if something had three dicks on its face and was coming towards you, <laughs> you'd be afraid. I'd be like, hi Dan, afterwards. how are you? oh at first you'd be afraid and then <laughs> afterwards you burn an inch yeah, that's that, that, i mean you know yeah. what's gonna happen i'm still right yeah. um but no i you know well, I very, it. it's a
3: very strange book that one
2: by the way it, <laughs> it, it is, is and you know miss <laughs> all of them are and you know the the last man thing mini that came out i think i think i was only like four issues that was very weird, right. uh, it was sort of like it was sort of like this weird retrospective on man thing as a character it was, it was very bizarre, but I loved it anyway because it's just you know i've got a I've got a real soft spot for um you know just sort of like big monsters. It's the reason that I love Ben Grimm. it's the reason I love playface, you know it's just the Beast... The beast, yeah. You know, it's like this one's got this one's got double, you know, it's got a double punch. It's a giant monster that's named Penis. Now, now Matt, is there a woman thing? Uh, there should be. I believe there should be.
0: If there is, Matt's sticking those pages together. <laughs> <Hey>.
5: <laughs> uh, Th-
0: three, a triple vulva face. Just like, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, that's worse than dicks, is it, Cool Bear? <laughs>
2: Good <laughs> to know. I I just think it's funny that you know he sort of he finds that disgusting, but he, he spends his day elbow deep in butts. So yeah,
3: like
4: it, it, it just it, it, gets God, do, it just becomes normalized, <laughs> right? But you <laughs> so know, you just you look, to read another issue of man thing so that it becomes normalized.
3: It's, yeah.
4: You know, nice. yeah, exactly. Yeah. it's it's a bad, it's a big harmony. Yeah, to... And if you if you can't
2: get your hands on any man thing, just some hardcore gay pornography on the internet. <laughs> it's accessible pretty much anywhere. Except for maybe like a sort of like a you know like a store's public local library. Wi-Fi. Yeah, yeah. Or a public library. You can't you can't watch it there. They but I mean, they you ask can, you to leave. But you'll
3: probably get kicked so uh, out. the yeah. solution to me
4: being a butt doctor is to watch gay porn. Yeah. That, that makes sense. I feel like there's probably a successful gay porn franchise based around a butt doctor. But
0: called man thing. Doctor Man thing <laughs> <laughs> And
3: um, doesn't help the mustard name is man. <laughs> I I
0: know, I I, um. I spelt it with two ends. Don't worry, <laughs> Colbert man thing. How <laughs> <laughs> have we not made the joke before?
5: I have no idea. It's quite good.
2: <laughs> well, I, I, Three dips I... on his face.
5: Yeah.
2: Three ducks on his face, and he smells of ass. <laughs> oh God! Yeah. Well, I tell you what, Colbert. It seems to no. be. Been... Seems we've been bullying you and, like, obviously, somehow been raised to you. What's your pick for graphic novel or miniseries of the year?
3: So, I wanted to pick something by Jeff Darrow because he's released uh, his in Cowboy this year and also an art book called Dead Poisoning. But what I like the most was that they reprinted Hard Boiled, which is a book I think from the 90s done by Frank Miller and, and Jeff Darrow, and it's just incredible. If you are familiar with Jeff Darrow's work, he's has this kind of OCD effect where he just carries on drawing, like the James Stokoe stuff where he just keeps drawing intricate, intricate pieces of artwork around the page and it grows and it grows and it grows and it grows, which is why it must be so hard for these guys to put out books every month. And uh, this is rebooted and uh, it's obviously written by Frank Miller. And essentially it's basically an android that's convinced he's human and everyone's trying to kill him and trying to prove to him that he is a robot and he just fights everything so the pages, just pages and pages of him getting beaten up, like by cars and hit by lorries, and the people trying to shoot him. And it's just this intricate artwork, and you can just explore these pages. It's like, oh, where's Wally? Trying to work out where he is compared to how many people he's had to go through, and to survive. And he's still convinced he's human, even though half his arms hanging off, he's got like half his face is robotic. And it's just a really kind of interesting book, which I never really. Uh, um, had read before or heard much about because it wasn't printed in so long, and when it finally came out, I was just blown away by it. It's three issues long, and uh, it's just absolutely incredible. So, that's uh, my graphic novel of the year. Interesting. I'm,
0: I'm, no, this to is read Frank it. Miller,
4: right? Yeah, Frank Miller. So, so are there any prostitutes in oh, the series? Yeah,
2: and uh, are any of them sort of killed or brutalised <laughs> within the first, like, <laughs> the
3: three pages The whole path. book is, is uber-violent. The whole book is just violence. Surprise, It's the way surprise. Jeff D'Ora draws a violence, which is just so amazing.
2: Okay. So you've got a thing about a monster with three vulvas on its face, but you're quite happy reading a book full of death and destruction.
3: I like how you've labelled me as a, with that when I just went, oh,
0: you had a more drastic at, reaction than that, I think. When I look at you, Matt,
3: I'm like, ugh.
2: It's quite well, yeah, obviously, because I'm like a giant sweaty flesh sack full of shit. You should look at me and go, ugh. Uh. Uh. Ugh. <laughs> ugh. I do. Is why I don't oh. have any mirrors in my house.
0: But Colby is used to dealing with sacks of shit. <laughs> <So> <laughs> what's the problem?
3: I just don't have to deal with it outside of work.
0: Ah, there we go. Ugh.
3: Bum-bum. Moving on, Sifling.
0: My pick is something Dan has already mentioned in his covers. It's Aliens Dead Orbit by James Stokoe. James Stokoe is one of my all-time favourite comic creators. Wanton Soup, Orkstain, and the one that really kind of captured me is Godzilla Half-Century War. I've read everything pretty much he's ever published and I, I stand by that Half-Century War is the best Godzilla story ever told. And... Aliens Dead Orbit is up there for the best story told in the Aliens universe as well for me. Wow. The artwork is nothing short of stunning. Like I said, that that cover kind of sums up in the intricate detail of the the grime and horribleness of that universe where just every nook and cranny is filled with goop and blood and gore and aliens trying to rip your face off you get some fantastic character moments with the human characters trying to obviously struggle against the xenomorphs and you really get a sense of exasperation, desperation and fear and stoko does the kind of almost anime-esque shocked faces and terrified faces incredibly well. He like hyper-visualizes and hyper-stylizes his expressions in times of extreme terror and extreme panic and stuff like that and that is of course perfect when you got a bunch of ill-equipped dudes hanging out with some xenomorphs and uh, yeah this story is just absolutely fantastic, this is four issues it is tight, it is punchy, it's gorgeous and it's been one of my favourite books of the year for sure
3: I actually have it here right in front of me because it's my pile to read, I think I bought it last time you uh, told me about it it's phenomenal mm. Daniel yes your turn
1: (laughs) alright so um, I'm only including it because it got cancelled so technically it can be considered a miniseries but it's Iceman from Marvel I'm choosing it mainly because um, it hit home quite emotionally for me and it's the only comic book that Uh, Ian has managed to like stumble through. Um, He's dropped everything else, but because this one specifically talks to him on a specific level as a person who came out later in life as well, um, I think it's quite powerful. And it may be the same old, same old coming of age. And in you know, some of the dialogue may make people cringe here and there, but for me, it's been um, refreshing to see such an honest portrayal of homosexuality in superhero comic books I'm not talking about I'm Northstar, I have a boyfriend who skis look at me run at super speed I'm talking about God honest, let's sit down with our parents and have a really uncomfortable uh, conversation um, and it feels like it's written from the heart and the art team uh, do do a great job of showcasing uh, Bobby as Iceman like really going to town with his powers and I think Grace has probably given a voice to uh, a group of people that have had voices in comics before, but I don't know if it's ever been as authentic to me as it has here. So, yeah, Iceman's been quite an emotional piece of fiction for me this year. So it's definitely up there as one of the best for me.
3: It was. Is it Sinner Grace? Yes.
0: Yeah, Sinner Grace uh... is absolutely amazing.
3: He did this uh, comic for image called Nothing Lost Forever, which is his kind of like autobiographical work. Yeah, really,
1: it's also really,
3: great. Yeah, it really impressive.
1: Um, um, it's just it's it's an emotional book.
0: Tina Grace yeah. has also done a, a web series, which is absolutely fantastic as well. It's self obsessed. Um, and he was a guest on the kind of funny Game of a Greggy show, uh, which is a YouTube channel, YouTube kind of interview. And he talks all about his run with Iceman. His, um, yeah, his life and coming up into into comics and coming out and everything like that is a really fantastic interview and totally endeared me to Cena straight away. I had I'd seen the name on a few books and never really sort of battered an eyelid, and then he was suddenly this enigmatic and interesting character and really eloquent and interesting guy. So uh, yeah, I I picked up both those books because he was so interesting, and I totally agree with you, Dan. It deserves credit where credit is due.
1: It's just—it's just one of those books that has um, that just feels in a place, kind of like when Coolby talks about Miss Marvel in a in a place where sometimes we are looking for, uh, yeah. for ourselves. Um, I think I found it there, and I found it was almost heartbreaking. The last issue—the last issue I read, which was where uh, his parents decide to try and reboot. Um, is their 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 relationship with their son by using the younger version of Bobby and tried to have a second chance at raising their son, uh, quote unquote, right, which is um and and his mum has always been supportive of a, supportive of him with his mutant abilities until he she finds out he was gay and then she snaps, which was quite an interesting thing to see, hmm. but yeah,
3: Oh uh, definitely there are every now and again I mean apart from the token gestures where they make a different hero a different color or a different sexuality, um. There are times when you know, and often it's written by people who know the stories, uh, how G. Willow Wilson is a converted Muslim, how she really understands Pakistani immigration, which is similar to my, my family's immigration to this country. I never really quite got. Lucila Grace has got some really interesting like, stories to tell, and I'm really glad that he can translate that into like, a, a mainstream superhero book.
0: <laughs> See, as a straight white man, I have real problems just relating to any characters. There's just there's just not enough people that relate to. me, To be honest,
3: Do you know the, the, the the I said this before a while ago is that it's almost like I didn't know there could be something for me until I saw it. <laughs> isn't isn't that really, crazy?
0: Isn't that crazy? That's, like, that's
3: I, what the I, really I, weird. I thing made is.
0: that I made that joke a second ago, but it's taken literally like nearly four decades for a comic book to actually come out and be like, "Hey, this is for people of like." Indian heritage and their family are immigrants and Muslims and things like that. You would think that would have happened years and years ago. It's taken this long for us to get this progressive. And I'm sure we all agree. I hope it just gets better and better and more inclusive and more
4: interesting as, as comics go forward. But I feel like the downside to that, and hopefully this doesn't turn into a rant. I feel like the downside of that is that I think people are interpreting the four Way too literally, and they're thinking that if they're not that group, if they're not that demographic, that was kind that of the joke I was for them. Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, I can relate I to Miss Marvel,
0: that... but I'm not a teenage girl, or of Pakistani heritage, or superpowered, or
4: Muslim. <laughs> yeah. And yet, you know, Miss Marvel is one of the breakout hits in the last few years for Marvel, and you know, we're we're, we're talking about. Iceman and you know i I feel disappointed because I fell behind an Iceman and now Iceman getting canceled. And it's upsetting because Iceman needed that sale. Iceman needs as many sales in order to keep a really good story going. And it 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 sucks anytime you have to look back at a book that's this important and me this meaningful for so many people and realize that the that there are people who are judging the book, not having read it, there are people who aren't giving it a chance, and there are people that aren't willing to sort of step outside of themselves and um, try to relate to a person and relate to a story that doesn't at first glance look like it's for them.
1: Because unfortunately the book has been, has, has, has been grabbed hold by a narrative that's calling it just the gay book or the gay Marvel book. As opposed to a book about Iceman and how it feels to be like outside of even outside of the X Men, he's not really fitting in. He doesn't really fit there either. Like mm-hmm. you could sell it on him being Iceman, but it's been it's being sold as a different thing, and that's why lots of people don't want to touch it, which is a damn shame.
0: God, it's right. an X Men book with social commentary. Bloody hell, who would have guessed it, huh?
4: Crazy. I, I mean I grew awesome up that. reading I grew up not not just reading Iceman I mean I'm young enough I'm old enough that Iceman was part of my Spider-Man cartoon you know I mean Iceman's one of the characters that everyone should know about everyone should you know feel a certain kind of affinity for and you know like you said Dan it's an Iceman book nice an, an Iceman solo book that could be the hook of the book for people that don't Necessarily, um, you know, I don't want to say need, but people who who want to read a good comic book shouldn't feel like Iceman being gay is a reason not to pick the book up.
1: Yeah, exactly. And this whole idea so, of it being forced down 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 your throat. Um, oh, he's he's going he's on a date. Oh, Thinking like to myself, well, I've had to read You Straight People Go on Dates every fucking day. So, you know, maybe maybe turn the tables once in a while, yeah? yeah. <laughs> so it's, just, it's, it's just a weird way I tell to do I'll tell you what else is
3: interesting. Is like, you know, so I, I think Squirrel Girl is brilliant. I've been reading that book since it started. I think Ryan North and Henderson are fantastic. And that wins an Eisner for Best Book for Teenagers. And I'm like, fuck you! <laughs> uh, this book, this is a good kind of book. Full stop for everyone and it's like it's fun and I love it to bits and I'll always keep reading it. And I resent the fact that it's being put into this pigeonhole and that's almost bad because it's not set out for teenage girls or boys. I think it's mainly the girls. Um but it's now been labelled as that, even when it wasn't obviously that to begin with.
1: But they're so scared of of, of like the eyes Is- we let's not get into the politics of the eisens, but um that everyone's so scared of we know who they're scared of annoying. That um, they do have to put labels on books now, just so it's like, it's okay, you have these books to yourself. This one's been put in a cage and thrown away for the teenage girls, so you don't have to ever talk about it ever again. Yeah. You know what I mean?
4: Yeah, it's frustrating. But anyway,
1: anyway I'm here to celebrate Iceman, not to complain about the way the market is <laughs> at
4: the moment. So, yeah. Uh, and I'm going to go ahead and pre order. The Iceman issues that are out there on Comicsology. Shit,
3: I'm buy. Is a trade being released
1: yet? Um, yes. Uh, yes, and the second trade comes out in the same month that the last issue comes out, in fact. Oh. Um, in March. I
3: guess I guess they're not going to collect them as a big thing.
1: <laughs> um, no, no, no. It's, I think they're just collecting it as two because it finishes issue 11. Part Ian's gutted because it was the only one he was reading. <laughs> 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 He's like, I never get to read any Marvel books because they always cancel the ones that I like. And I was like, mm, sounds familiar. Um, but yeah.
3: Well, Volume 1's not released till 2018, or well, a couple weeks. <laughs> <clears throat> <clears throat> hmm. oh, so, should we talk about some... Nearly our uh, second half of our awards, and <laughs> the imminent end of the
0: show. Yep. Yeah. Okay. We're coming close to the end. We've got our last three categories. Counting down, the next one, best artist of 2017, and Coolbear. I'm going to come to you first.
3: Ah, uh, so I don't think I've ever waxed lyrical about Mr. Miracle too much on the show. Waxing
0: lyrical about Mr. Miracle—that's your new podcast. <laughs>
3: I'd be <I> appreciate that, <laughs> um, and because the artwork is—I mean, Tom King's obviously. Amazing, and we'll, we'll be coming to him in a bit. But uh, Mr. Adams was uh, on Punisher way back, um, and he did a fantastic job in building this character and having this kind of gritty, raw style to his uh, to the Punisher. And he, he then took on Mr. Miracle, and completely changed the way that you read a comic because I generally describe this book as if you're watching a reality TV show and you're actually watching a camera look in a Big Barda and um, Miracle in their home and what's going on with the wars and apocalypse. And it's just breathtaking. He uses, he uses the 9 power technique wonderfully in a way I haven't really seen before. And it's just... I can't really describe how incredible it is, like, to the point where there are some panels that have been, like, fuzzed away because the TV kind of loses the signal a little bit. And his storytelling is just immense. And the way he positions his characters... As in like he has like a real all these big big characters are, are in Ryan are sitting there in a couch in, in a flat in the US. And the way he moves from like building tension for one character to another in having a trial is just just unbelievable, phenomenal. Like I don't really know how to describe it. If I was still writing, I'd spend a long time trying to work out what he does. But as a as a breakthrough as an artist, like, I've never seen him do that before. And to see him try new storytelling techniques with a writer like Tom King is just amazing. And I don't think there's better art out there in the way the story's told, in its own uniqueness. Um, obviously, other books that I look visually better, but the way the story's told is just unlike anything I've read. It's uh, been like my favourite book this year,
0: except for the one I chose. <laughs> I've heard nothing but incredibly positive things about Mr. Miracle, and I know, almost, know nothing, like it. almost nothing about it. And I'm, I'm intrigued to pick it up and try it. Oh. Now,
4: now, did you end up liking Vision? Or did nope. you... Or, nope. Did you stay anti-Vision? I'm still
0: anti-Vision. Mm. That's fair enough. But not according to the rest of the world, it's not.
3: Oh, it's not no. fair enough. I mean, you're wrong. But like, <laughs> right, you're right exactly. You're know, you know. you a to your failure because Vision is stellar. Just it's the best book I've ever read. One of the best books I've ever read. Nope. And yes. just once again, once again... It wasn't the
0: best book I read that day.
3: It was a (laughs) douche. (laughs) Uh, But the artwork also in that book, in the way it tells the story, is also phenomenal. It's just it's a it's a good time, actually, from a a Tom Kidd perspective. He's doing a lot of good work and a lot of good artists as well. If we
0: had breakout star of the year, Tom Fucking King would be the breakout star of the year. For sure.
3: (laughs) But if I was Matt, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'd be getting ready for you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he wasn't doing Batman when you were talking about it. Like, He wasn't one of the biggest writers in the world when you were talking about him. He was doing Grayson. For the yeah, show. but he did Dick.
4: Yeah, exactly. I, was was like, oh, I know. You know. Batman
0: is a much bigger deal than Grayson. Not to me, but to the world and to the comic public. Him doing that's... Batman, uh, taking over from Scott fucking Snyder, Mr. Yeah. Comics, according to like you know, the general public, loads of people just read Snyder's Batman. And well, right. I, mean, I guess I feel like,
4: you know, being semantic, I feel like the breakout star, he's the breakout star of last year, and this yeah. is the year that he's winning the MVP. For lying. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough.
3: Anyway, we have to come to him later on, so we'll, we'll hide that. We'll bring <laughs> it back. Anyway, Miss Jones. I also, especially to Jarl Jones, who's now moved on to. Uh, do a bit of Batman, Supergirl, and a few other things, and she's really flying since Lady Killer.
0: So I've already mentioned my artist of the year. Corby has also mentioned him as well. And uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to go for my man Christian Ward of Black Bolt fame. <laughs> he is just the 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 reason I picked up this book was, like I said, the cover. And the writer, I'm a huge Saladin Ahmed fan. I really love Throne of the Crescent Moon. It's one of my favourite books I've read in the last few years. I was like, holy shit, he's coming and doing comics. That's awesome. And then suddenly this guy called Christian Ward and I was like, hmm, I've I've heard of Christian Ward. O-D-Y-C. Oh yeah, he did that thing with Matt Fraction that I didn't really read, didn't really pay attention to. Maybe I fucking should have because Christian Ward is a Goddamn phenom! Like his work in Black Bolt is just unbelievable. He's channeling Jack Kirby in his prime, in these crazy cosmic landscapes as Black Bolt is trying to escape the prison that he's locked in, and meeting all these weird aliens. And I'm going to talk more about Black Bolt later. Spoiler alert! But Christian <laughs> Ward is just blown me away so much so that I got a print from him when I met him at Thought Bubble. Got it signed, and it is now framed in private place in my bedroom uh, next to uh, Black Adam. So now I have Black Adam and Black Bolt like next to each other in my bedroom, framed with black frames, of course. And uh, yeah, it's just amazing, amazing stuff. And a guy I hadn't, unfortunately hadn't really paid attention to before, and now I feel like I have to go back and check out his entire back catalogue, because I've just been so blown away with his work this year. Did you read
3: any Odyssey? Odyssey? I haven't yet. No. Um, it's interesting. I, that's everyone says. Um, it doesn't make much sense. It's weird. But his artwork and coloring is phenomenal.
0: Can you hear me? I can. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Good. Yeah. No, it's a, it's an odd book. It's not quite. It's loosely based on the Odyssey. Um, I'm not sure how accurate it actually is. Uh, I actually asked him at the time, I was like, did you read the Odyssey? And he goes, well, I kind of read the gist of it. <laughs> <laughs> but it looks amazing, even though you can't quite follow it at times.
0: Nice. Dan, how about you?
1: Well, um, I've already mentioned his name, but um, David Marquez uh, is my eyes so of the year, uh, purely for the defenders and purely for the fight scene between uh, well no, the whole book's gorgeous but the fight scene between Electro and I-Fist is one of the best fight scenes comics has shown me this year um, I'd read a
4: whole book of that fight
1: bloody his ability to convey action and like the technique, technical prowess of each fighter is on point, There's, there was a page which had the billy club of dead level just in the middle of the page as it has bounced out through everyone and gone straight to zoom zoom up to the camera so to speak which is such a beautiful moment Even his just the 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 sort of snide glances that Jessica Jones gives the rest of the cast, all are perfect. And just oh my god, that! But I literally don't even need. Kind of like um, uh, apart from I've actually I actually read the words in Defenders. Um, kind of like Fury, where I don't actually read the words. I just look at the art and it tells its story perfectly fine to me. I could just read Marquez without anything, and it would just be a beautiful, beautiful book. Um. His work's just astonishing and there was only one person on my mind when I saw
4: Best Artist and he was it. There you go. Strong choice. I Like you, you mentioned Nick Fury, that's why I picked ACO. That's a book that doesn't even really need thought, bubble, I mean doesn't really need uh, conversation bubbles. You can just watch it like a silent film. The artist yes. The art is amazing. The colors explode on the page. The panels get seared onto your soul, and uh, you know, seared
3: I, onto your soul.
4: I, I you know, it, it was a handful of issues, but I'll definitely be revisiting them on a regular basis just for the art.
1: Yeah, it, it, also um, his work on Midnighter was astonishing. You have to go back
4: and read Midnighter. He's such a great artist. <laughs>
3: All I've seen Marquez do. I'm trying to work it out. I can't. Believe... Oh, he did Iron Man, didn't he?
1: He did Iron Man, which yes, beautiful, very
0: streamlined. He's done some spider Man stuff as well.
1: Yeah, he took over from from Pacelli straight away. He, he was like, the first one too.
0: Yeah.
4: So. so we do we know where, where these where the Bendis artists are going after Bendis goes?
0: No, I don't um, think so. No, no. I haven't seen any announcements officially. He's he's finishing up. Um, Spider Man 240 and Iron Man 600 come out in May, I believe, and that's when he's done in the Marvel Universe, is May 2018. Okay. So I guess we'll find out probably February, March, probably where these guys are going, I would guess. We usually get sort of solicitations three, four months ahead, so maybe, maybe, might be in January actually, we might get them in the next few weeks. I never know. Could be. We, there might be some out already and we've just completely missed it. it it's it been Christmas. Well, I'm not really paying attention to comic book news over the last couple of weeks.
4: Well, I feel like I'm hearing a lot more about cancellations than about new books. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Welcome to comics in 2017.
3: Yeah, but they have, they have churned out so many books constantly, so it's always going to hit a wall. At
0: least yeah. my pull list is shorter now. Exactly. Yeah. It's a little bit cheaper for us, at least and Matthew Wilmot finish us off with your artist of the year please sir
2: well I think if we're going to talk about sort of just beautiful artwork the then it's like you just have to talk about Nicola Scott um, I was super excited when I found out Greg Rucker was going to be doing Wonder Woman with the whole Rebirth thing and it got to a point where I was only reading it just because of Scott's artwork. Um, you know, I love the team over from Black Magic, which is possibly, I think, my favourite, like, sort of best-looking book of the last few years. Um, it is just stunning. Every single panel, every page, and the fact that it's black and white for 99% of it doesn't detract from it at all. I think it makes you pay attention more to the line work, you know, more to the inking. It's just absolutely stunning. You know, you know, her figure work is amazing. The sort of like facial expressions or characters is probably the best. I think I've seen in years, if not the best that I've seen, um, I can't get enough of her work. I just want more of it. It's. I can only assume that she spends a long time on books that she's working on, which is why she isn't on, you know, every book going. But
3: <laughs> So did you notice, Matt, when she did Wonder Woman, how when she had a colourist? Her art looks so different to what it does a black magic.
2: It does, yeah. yeah. It does. Black
3: magic is beautiful.
2: It is. It's stunning. And, you know, the just sort of like that moment in um, the first issue where you get pretty much all the way to the end and you see no colour and then there is just that literal explosion of colour. It just makes you, you know, it makes you pay attention more. It makes you stand up and go, shit, that was good. You know, because you go from having this, you know, sort of really, really sort of like, you know, like almost like you know serious monochrome look to everything, and you become adjusted to that, and then you get this brief flash of color and I think at that point you realize just like how how much like color can alter a panel, you know or a page or whatever. It can just change a moment instantly, but like consistently. I think Scott's work has been astounding, like ever since I first found out who she was and what she was doing. I was just like, yeah, yeah this is definitely someone that I'm going to pay attention to now forever.
3: It's a good choice. Thanks. Yeah, it is. I've, I've always, I never liked it when someone called her work. Yeah. It upset me because I just thought you're not you're you're missing out on what she's really good at, and that's like Her mm. kind of rendering and shading is is unbelievable. Yeah,
2: good
5: stuff.
0: So let's move on to best writers of the year before we cap things off with our best series. Matt, I'm going to come straight back to you. Who is your favourite writer of
2: well, 2017? I was yeah, I was thinking. T- about this earlier and yeah, you know, it was a tough one and you know there's a bunch of people that are already listed that you know I obvious answers yeah some obvious answers um but just obvious because they've done amazing work this year um so I kind of went with my fallback plan and I just went for Charles Sewell um just because you know, I think he's just he's just been steady for the last couple of years. He's just been churning out like good stuff. Yeah, you know, I can't can't really remember a series of his that I read that I didn't really like. Yeah, you know, everything that he's done over the last few years, I've sort of been into. I've I've always been more positive about it than negative. So it's 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 a little. I guess it's a little cop out answer. In a way, um, because it's supposed to be the best one. But I feel that there are more articulate people on the show that will talk about the others that I was considering choosing.
1: I think it's quite a controversial choice, especially when you have an X Fan sat right next to you. Yeah. Um,
3: who's <laughs> about to disagree with you.
1: Yeah, <laughs> no, no. I agree I agree with what you're saying. He's quite he has like his She Hawk is great. Um That's his best it, book. The, yeah. issues of, the issues of Dead, Evil live not bad. However, on the flip side you have Death of X and then you have this the atrocious X Men or Astonishing X Men, whatever you want to call it. Um,
3: <laughs> did he do did he do Death of Wolverine as well? Which was
1: shite. Um but maybe he just can't write X Men. Maybe that's the thing. Mm. is in humans books weren't that bad if i remember correctly so i think it's kind of an interesting choice to be honest i don't think it's a super safe bet i think it's an interesting choice as opposed to some of the others which are mm.
2: safe bet. and also you know i don't think warren ellis put anything out this year so i couldn't pick him Wildstorm, storm wild amazing
1: <laughs>
2: okay so i miss wild storm
3: yeah pick it up you'll like it it's really good I it's will. very it's very warren ellis
4: do did, anyone right see, did anyone read his uh, Poe Dameron
2: book? Yes. I loved it. I really
4: liked it. It's
1: Vader. It's, it's Saul that's doing Vader at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, it's he's too. taken over from not, Gillen. Yeah. It's not too bad. It's not Gillen, but it's not too bad. That's why it's not. That's bad. very
3: much Saul though, isn't it? Like, he just saw okay. books.
1: There we go. What about you, Beer? What interesting and completely unconventional choice have you picked?
3: (laughs) Uh, The problem is, is that there are no, there's just, it's just the best. Like I read Batman today and it's a double date with Lois, Selina, Bruce and Clark. And who has a ridiculous idea to go double date between these two couples? And yeah, he pulls it off in in an, an incredible way.
0: That and scene just, is a bit of a masterpiece, yeah.
4: Yeah, just, it, it, it might be the ridiculous. one shot of all
0: time.
3: It's just unbelievable. I was like, you can't do a double date. This is just ridiculous. And then the way he does it, the way he puts it together, the construct of the scene of how the men are competitive and the women are basically becoming friends because they just talk about their boys just being dickheads because they just have the bravado. And that's what it is, is bravado versus bravado. And one person's a superman. And the idea of switching costumes because they have to go his fancy dress, it's just such a simple idea that works so beautifully and really gets to the grips of the characters. And, and the, I think the, the best thing about that, that single issue is the fact that Clark is Clark. He's like the good guy. Like, I'm a nice man. Like And, uh, and Bruce is obviously uh, a bit of like, uh, I'm, I'm angsty. But Clark is there going, You can't if I pitch you a ball, you can't hit it. And he's like, yes, I can. And it's Clark's arrogance that he captures just in that assumption of him being nice. And he's like, I remember where he's on the, the, the wheel with Lois, he's like, he can't hit my, my fastball. And like, he's like, he's fixating on this because he has to be the hardest and the strongest there is. And it's where Tom King gr- takes these fundamental concepts of these two characters and puts them against each other in a very simple way that really just lends to such beautiful writing. And I can't praise him enough. I can't go on about him enough. Like, I just think
4: he's just that one. I'm in love. And he writes a little book called Miracle, man. I mean, <laughs> Mr. Mr. Miracle, sorry. Which is also... Unbelievable. ...many, many levels above par.
3: I mean, there are people write good comics these days, but I think the level which he's writing at is so hard, far above a lot of people. And it's just breathtaking. And I'm very happy to be able to read him. And I'm very glad that I've been reading him for the last few years and I got to enjoy it because I'm just enjoying it. The more I read, the better it is. I was very worried when we got to Batman and this first arc had Snyder on the title because you could tell it wasn't quite him. I was like, oh, this is a bit disappointing. But then once he once it was just him, he just flew. And like I was so proud that he was doing so well with Batman. And it is true, I mean... It's what I love, and it's a thing I'll keep talking about, which is why I should stop podcasting. <laughs> Hell
4: yeah. So, Hell Mike, yeah. You can add but, some stuff, Michael. Uh, I mean, I could add, but I feel like you've said it all, um, which is why I'm going to pivot slightly and talk about who the guy I think it might be the breakout star. Um, so maybe next year's best guy, Matthew Rosenberg. Who wrote the stellar Wilson Fisk uh, Kingpin? He's writing the hell out of Secret Warriors, and he's actually making the Punisher interesting, which you can't really say that about many people. So he's 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 kind of like my blue chipper for next year. I think he's going to do big things. He you know he's the good guy that I would pick to pick up maybe some of the Defenders stuff if they want to move forward with um, once Bendis leaves. Um, So that's going to be my choice as the 1A to the real one that is Tom King. (laughs) Rosenberg
1: is pretty pretty great, actually. He also seems really nice. He seems like a really nice man. That's true. He does.
5: Oh he did
3: he did four kids walking to four kids walking to a bank!
1: Yeah.
3: Oh, that's fucking fantastic.
1: Took you long enough.
3: Did no one else read that book? Am, am I the only I person that read four kids walking to a bank?
1: Um, no. Ben it, Allen did, but I haven't. You're not, you just won't anyone else talk about it. I did. I
3: don't think anyone else has
1: talked about it. Because the other books. What was other books?
0: Anyway, Dan, who's your favourite writer of the year?
1: Mariko Tamake is my favourite writer, not just because she wrote a Supergirl book, but because She-Hulk, or Hulk as it should still be named, Mm -hmm. is possibly Marvel's second greatest comic of the year. Oh, that's great. Um, It really is. it, It is truly a phenomenal feat to make a Hulk book which is ironic because Hulk books have been psychological in the past, but to make a Hulk book be this much about sort of um, dealing with a situation, PTSD, and just general like anxiety, and writing from a stance of um, self worth and sort of making yourself just feel better and how crap life is, and it it that book. Um, much like the supergirl book uh, she's, she, writs, she she writes she writs. <laughs> yeah. she writes she writes right they're both ultimately relatable in 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 the way they're written and i think they're both extremely so sort of sophisticated. and we have our tom kings and that on the big books on the massive uh, franchises and i feel like in the trenches doing the groundwork making people act comic book readers, bringing in new people possibly, or at least trying to touch people people in a, in a way that's far more than just capes and cowls. Uh, we have people like um, Tamake, who just who is doing a lot more work, and is a lot more sophisticated than just, there's a grey She-Hulk now, um, and I think that she deserves my top spot, totally. She's good. She's good.
4: Was it. here's to a hit for her in 2018 yeah I There's
3: think we, uh, we haven't mentioned I, I want to have a specialist Tom Taylor I feel like he's going to do big things he's the guy who does all Wolverine
1: yes and fingers crossed that he actually saves it from the yeah I really
3: mean, do <laughs> I really mean, have high hopes man.
1: does that leave Jackie
0: it does leave me I suppose I'm going to talk about a man who has made a lot of headlines in the last 18 months. He transitioned over to comics. And I talked about Black Bolt earlier. I talked about Black Adam earlier. It's a theme coming here. I'm talking about the writer of Black Panther, Tanahasi Coates. Woo! Yeah, pretty much. I'll just leave it at that. Just a Ric Flair style. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> that will... Um, Coates has just he kind of came out of nowhere for me. I wasn't particularly aware of his work before he made the transition. I, now I fucking am. I've basically read everything he's ever published, gone back and read essays and articles and anything pretty much I can get my hands on because the world it... he has built around T'Challa and the, the, the world of Wakanda, literally that book, World of Wakanda, and the, the story he's been telling in that book It's just been absolutely phenomenal and captivated me in a way that few other books have.
4: I mean, he's he's been on he's been on that book for or or that family of books for less than two years, and he's done more to flesh out that world than decades of people writing Black Panther. I couldn't
0: agree more. I couldn't agree more. It feels like he's done more in the last eighteen months than anyone has done in the history of Black (laughs) Panther. He feels like he has redefined that character for the modern era. He's redefined what Wakanda is and what it means and what it stands for and what it looks like and, and everything like that. And, yeah, his style, his him talking in interviews about how important this character is and how important his transition of moving into comics and, and using this as a way to talk about social issues and, and things like that, he just seems like a super intelligent interesting guy who knows what he's writing about and writes interesting intelligent characters because of it and i mean that's that's kind of all i all i ever look for in my books is and yeah he's just captivated me from page to page and i've read every issue of black panther everything he's he's written much
4: and there's a rumor that he's going to be working on storm next year I, I think he
0: is i thought that was confirmed he's doing a storm solo series i believe
3: so, what's interesting about this, right, is that what we were saying about the writers being able to put his own kind of work into the story he wants to write, as in like, G. Widow Wilson and Sina uh, Grace. And, like, he's first, like, I mean, like, I always say this story about Al Ewing when he took on Mighty Avengers, which is a normal black superhero group. And I said to him, Did you do any research into how you go about talking about a race that you you're not really part of? And he's like, No, I just wrote some stories about characters. And I was like, Great. But this is what happens when you take it the other way around. This is a gentleman <laughs> that knows his source material and his research and wants to do justice to the Black Panther world. And uh, and I'm so fucking astonished that he's done it so well. And it's not always easy, but to me, because it's got some very layered um, storylines and narratives moving on in it. And when it works, it works so well. And he's not leaving that book. And he was only on it for 15 issues, but I think he's now staying on it,
0: isn't he? Yes, he is. I believe yeah.
3: so. So. It's a shame that he's he's not on Twitter anymore.
0: Yeah. Did you hear Did you hear about that? Fucking Twitter.
3: Yeah, he got called out by a, another like a, a was it a professor as a historian, a philosopher from Harvard. Uh, it was like a personal grudge. He took to uh, an article, and then everyone basically started to abuse Tennessee Coates. And he goes, "I didn't get into this for this," and he left. And it was uh, really sad. He was really quite upset by that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Poor old coats. Well, Thanks, shout out right. to you, Tannehassie, if you are listening. You're the, you're the fucking man as far as I'm concerned. Yeah,
3: man. Big things. It's going to be good for a long time to come.
0: So, the final category of the final episode of the Intercomics podcast. We're coming towards the end, Blink. boys. Get your tissues ready. Not, not for that reason Matthew the other reason <laughs> I mean
4: for whatever reason you want I mean, I mean yeah, game, yeah. To, yeah. You, you do you do. So, you
0: guys if you want to yeah. you want to crack <laughs> one out to weird. our to our final moments then feel free
2: hey Jack I've been doing it the whole time we've been uh, there explains a lot uh, yeah. yeah
0: explains the long pauses in your dialogue there Matt why well, you get mm. distracted uh, towards the end
2: yeah. yeah but we were talking about man thing so we were
0: we were so let's finish off with our best overall series of 2017 and I'll kick off I've talked about it extensively already in this show it's of course Saladin Ahmed and Christian Ward's Black Bolt all eight issues that have been released so far have been phenomenal I didn't give a fuck about Black Bolt before this series I never cared <laughs> about humans, never cared about any of that kind of stuff. I have no affinity for those characters. Suddenly, Black Bolt is one of my favorite Marvel characters. He's my favorite Marvel character of the year. He's one of my favorite Marvel characters overall, just out of nowhere. And it's the combination of Christian Ward's art and the story that Saladin Ahmed is telling. He's telling almost like a a Planet Hulk style Team up with a bunch of weird aliens in a completely foreign place, and it starts off Bolt has no powers, he has no idea what's going on, he's fighting another depowered, absorbing man for some weird reason, we don't really know why. And as we learn more and more, it's much like Black Panther, he builds this world, this crazy, cosmic, weird, deep, philosophical world that explores the concepts of what it means to have powers, what life and death means, does any of this matter? It tackles really deep, powerful issues from page to page, and I've just been captivated with every panel and every word. And uh, yeah, Black Bolt is easily my pick for series of the year. Has anybody else been reading it and enjoying it, or am I on my own here? Oh,
3: it's... The- Oh, no, 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 it's brilliant. <laughs> uh, it's fantastic. I really enjoy how they brought the Absorbing Man into it and then what they do with this character arc and how they pursue, they carry on his story even though he's not so much in the book anymore. And uh, it's, it's, it's really nicely done. And how Black Bolt is a leader amongst the men he's around. And that's interesting, he has this kind of natural affinity towards it.
0: And then they fucked him up in Inhumans because that show is garbage let's stick with Doesn't positive things like anything to me. Duff. yeah exactly Colbert cool. how about you
3: well I feel a bit remiss that Mr Miracle not the name of our this because Mr Miracle is astoundingly amazing which should be everyone's best book but I'm choosing Lost Light because I love Lost Light uh, Transformers is a special place in my heart when I'm not thinking about Tom King
0: and <laughs> it's <laughs> they're the two things uh... you talk about on a regular basis, you're like, Tom King's the best also Transformers is secretly the best comic being published right now
3: yeah it is, I'm hoping it's not so much a secret anymore because it's amazing, Lost Light did something very really interesting, it took uh, all the characters and kind of shuffled them and removed people that have been in the book for almost for, I think, 40, 50 issues, and you're like did you just do that? And then they build other characters that um brand new or haven't been used in a very long time and take them to interesting story arcs as well. And I just can't get over how well it's written, how well it's drawn. Like, I've met Jack Lawrence at comic Cons. So he's done a couple of sketches for me. And he loves, you have to love Transformative. It's not one of those books you can just simply flit in and flit out. You have to really want to draw mechanical objects. <laughs> and uh, everyone who does that book has a passion for it. And with Lost Light, every single sheet is... A story within itself, and it's so enjoyable to read. And the characters are so interesting and intricate, and the relationships are really well fleshed out. That for Transformers book, it has this this, this idea that Transformers don't have feelings; they're just basically like real characters. And uh, I love it. It's the thing I look forward to reading most. But that's actually the truth. Pick up Lost Light.
0: Anyone else read it? No. Nope. You know I don't care about Transformers. We've had this conversation before. I'm not going to break your heart again.
4: I want to read it. There's so much Transformers, so much good Transformers. I feel like it's like climbing a mountain. I know I should do it, but it's a lot. It is a lot.
3: Send me your address. I'll send you the first two books. (laughs) I'll force you to read it. I need to share this love with somebody. (laughs) i'm too busy making love to myself
4: well, speaking of that matt your choice
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, first appearance and you got the segues down already mike well done
2: i love it we should have got you on sooner Mike.
0: absolutely this is clear evidence that you should have been on day one mike
2: yeah you could have you know, stopped Columbia from coming on you would have been <laughs> great
4: oh wow I will not be part of your one-brown-person quota. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Affirmative action!
4: We well, needed a token
0: brown guy, and we ended up with Cool Beer, I guess.
2: In my defense, I, I don't see Cool Beer as brown. I see him as, you know, Doctor. So, yeah, I can't get out of this one. Nope. <laughs>
0: really. nope you're, you're stuck, all right. Tell us about yeah. a good comic book instead.
2: Well, much like... Um, how Dan and Ian felt about Iceman, and their sort of you know how they were able to connect to it on a you know sort of like a deeper level. That's sort of how I've been with the latest Hulk series. You know, it's sort of a, it's it's, you know, it's kind of sounds stupid to say that you know you've got a book that deals with sort of you know mental anguish, mental health issues and, you know, anxiety and PTSD and all that sort of stuff. But I think this series deals with it in a very unique way. It isn't just a case of, er, I'm angry. You know, they actually sort of, like, look at what it does to a person, you know, how it, you know, sort of changes and moulds a person. And, you know, that's something that's sort of, like, really, really sort hit me from the first issue. Um I I think I was a little late coming to it. Uh I think it'd been out for a couple of issues before I picked it up. Um and I know I haven't read the last couple of issues. Um but you know i I, I just love that book. Um you know I just I mentioned Charles Sewell earlier on and you know I loved his 12 issues of She-Hulk from a couple of years ago but that was a completely different animal i loved that book because that was jen just sort of you know being a lawyer and that's what i wanted right then but i feel that i need this book in my life more than i think i've needed any other book you know it's sort of like it's almost become sort of like therapy for me um to be able to to like pick up a book and read about people's sort of experiences, you know, dealing with you know anxiety related issues and you know loss and trauma. It's 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 been it's been a big deal, and I don't think I've talked about it enough. Um, but I really have loved that series so much. It's been incredible, and yeah i I'm sure I heard somewhere that it was getting canned in a not too distant future, I believe so yeah. um, yes, you know, and I you know there's a part of me that wants to you know sort of hulk out and rage, but there's another part of me that it, just goes, well, they cancel every book, you know let's be you know, if they don't cancel it, they just rebrand it, you know, so I'm just gonna enjoy it while it lasts. Um But for me, it has been it, it, it has been the best book of the year.
0: Nice, oh, nice, good. good choice, good choice, Matt. Dan, they, on to you. Well, it wouldn't
1: be a head of the comics podcast if I didn't talk about um, Jason Aaron. <laughs>
0: I mean, yeah. I'll tell you, what, yeah, I tell you one thing. I tell you we're one talking thing, best, not worst here, right?
3: But Jack hasn't mentioned BKV at all this whole podcast.
1: I know, it is weird. But you never know. Before the end. There's still time, cool. <laughs> There's still time. <laughs> but um, how much I don't like his ex work, his forework will go down in history long before him, long after we're all dead. Um, as one of the greatest, if not the greatest, forerun. Uh, oh!
5: Oh!
1: And it is, for me, the symbol, single greatest uh, modern superhero saga that wow. has been produced. And um, this year, Jane has fought the Phoenix, uh, met Quentin Quire, and they've produced a war god, to name a few things. And it's all so beautifully rendered. By one by Russell Dortman and uh, Matt Wilson arguably the greatest superhero um art team outside of David Marquez and justin Ponza um at the moment and what I love about it is that for all its space opera and all its sort of grand tapestry, Aaron never loses sight of how vulnerable and generally weak um Sort of his characters can be in, in in the face of adversity, and how when they do have the moments where they stand, it echoes so much better than any of the other. Let's you know, let's raise, raise my shield for the ninth time in this one issue. Um, when Jane stands and punches for uh, Odin, sorry, in the face, um, it just I don't know, it just it just makes a, a shockwave. Like he's not, she's not just punching Odin. She's punching. She's meta, sort of metatextually punching the fans that dislike a female Thor. Um When Jane can't put the hammer down because she knows it's the right thing to do, she stands up for all of us. It it is it so much poetry in motion in that book, and it is astonishing that it is kept up so much, and it is hurtling to the only logical conclusion. Hopefully, Um, because if they can't stick the landing, then oh dear. But um, at this present moment in time, it is superhero comics at its best, at its most inspiring, and at its most awe. It'll nail the
3: landing.
1: Oh, of course it'll nail the landing, I hope. But we've got to be cautious in these times. But um, I feel sorry for anyone who tries to pick up far after this book um, to write it, not physically read it. Um, That's what, it'll be but, ch- So <laughs> yeah at the end of the day we're here to talk about amazing comics and the mighty Four is one of the best um one of the best i've ever, ever read um
0: so there I mean, you he's
3: he's on that run for how many years now six years
0: yeah. <laughs> so five or six right
3: He's lasted longer than the blog did, which is about five years.
0: (laughs) And longer than his podcast. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, Oh, sad. And I guess... Why don't you cheer us all up? And since you kicked us off, Mike, let you have the final say
4: on the final episode. Well, I said a little bit about Jessica Jones, so I won't belabor that point. Great book. Pick it up. Read it. But my choice, the fun, the funnest, if you will, read of the year for me has been infamous Iron Man. That's uh, Dr. Doom playing the part of Iron Man and um, being Dr. Doom, but being on the side of the angels. And, um, you know, I was flipping through the pages of the last issue where, of all people, he does battle with Mephisto. And Mephisto takes time out of his battle to speak directly to the audience. And you would think that it wouldn't hit the way it did, but it actually works to have Mephisto tell the audience that he is not the only cosmic entity that can't stand Dr. Doom. Um, (laughs) You know, this is the guy who became a god and he needed a second act, so he decided to become Iron Man. So it's hard to it's hard to live up to the epic, the the other books that I'm sure in a lot of ways are to infamous Iron Man, but it was a fun read, and I'm glad that I read it. I feel like as a fan of Dr. Doom and as a fan of the legacy of the Fantastic, it was good to see. This character and his interactions with his former enemies, and trying to make amends for all the wrong he's done. Uh, if there's anything about uh, that sort of speaks to what's happening in the world right now, it's the idea of someone evil trying to be super good, even if it doesn't work, it's good that they tried.
3: Cool. Yeah. That's-
5: Yeah.
0: So, that pretty much wraps us up for the entire show.
5: <laughs> I'm sure we'll all
0: walk around and uh, I'll let you guys you know, have a little say and a goodbye and things like that. But I'm right in thinking that Rob Richardson has sent us a little something that. Uh, he
2: has, yeah um, He was very sad that he couldn't be on the show um, the Last minute issues um, Sort of stopped him from being here But he uh, sent me a, a message yesterday And asked me if I could Just read it out on the show um, And I'm going to Because Rob is awesome And he was such a great person To have on the show And you yeah, know, I, I hope we didn't Beat him up too much for being the DC fanboy that he is because <laughs> you know we we love you to pieces, Rob. Uh, so we didn't we didn't actually mean any of it. Um, and you've got the coolest kids ever. Um, so yeah, this one th- this one's a message from Rob to all of our listeners and to all of us as well. And he says, um just wanted to say that it's been an absolute pleasure being able to contribute to the Intercomics podcast over the last few years intermittently. As a fan of the Intercomics pod and an amateur comic book journalist, it was an honour to be invited into the show initially, and even better, to be invited back regularly to participate. It's been a great source of personal joy to be able to discuss comic books and the medium within, uh, a group of uh, like-minded individuals who I now consider to be great friends I'll certainly miss the podcast and I'm looking forward to whatever adventures we all get up to in the future, be it Matt practicing apothecary in his new position, Dan what? scribing legendary novels Jack hosting the shit out of nine, 95% <laughs> of all the shows on the internet <laughs> or oh, Coolbeard's continued adventures as a thespian uh, <laughs> And he just finishes off saying, "All oh, the best, Jen. It's been an honour serving with you, and it has been an honour serving with you as well, Rob. You are absolutely the most fun yeah, whenever you were on the show. Oh, uh, it's
3: a shame it's been so long.
2: Yeah, and it was it was nice to have another another known voice,
0: <laughs> another Doncaster lad. Yeah,
2: another, another Donny lad, the Donny duo." The Dynamic we'll Donny Duo, I'll have you know. <laughs> yeah, we'll be back. We'll sort no, something that's out. the
0: name of your spin-off podcast right there. Yeah.
2: The Dynamic Donny Duo. Oh, did you read this, mate? Oh, did I? It was shite. <laughs> I thought it was shite. So no. let's have a cup of tea and a pie. Mike, do you understand a <laughs> word he's
4: saying right now? <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping that I'll get the translation a little bit later. I'll
0: transcribe it for you, don't worry. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I, I hope you do it in sort of like the Queen's English as well.
0: I speak only the Queen's English, Matthew. Of course.
2: Oh, good, excellent. <laughs> um, but well, well, I've got the microphone, and I may as well may as well say my piece, uh, and then you know, if you don't have to listen to my voice anymore. Um, Aww. Oh, uh, yay! But it's um, the echo sentiment. It really has been. An honour and a pleasure, boys. Um, going back to that, you know, listening to that first ever into comics podcast, which is, you know, let's be honest, it's ropey. Um, How
0: dare you, sir? It's a, a, the finest audio quality, Hey, <laughs> yeah,
2: you've got it. You got it sorted out really quickly. That first, that first, you know, introduction is it's it's a little rough but you know my you won me over you stole my heart as it were um and then you know getting to be a listener and then ultimately coming on the show for the amalgam universe crossover event spectacular <laughs> as it was um that was just a blast and you know the fact that you know you liked me enough to keep me around was it it, it meant a lot um you know as as you all know and you know, as I'm sure many listeners know, I've had a sort of shitty run of it these last couple of years. But it was always it was always nice. It was always a good time when I was getting to you know, jump on Skype and talk comics with my friends for a few hours. So you know, I uh, I am gonna miss it. I really am. Um, and I know that we'll you know, we'll all stay in touch and we'll still continue to talk bollocks about comics. Of course. That's never gonna stop. Uh, it's just that we won't ever have to argue who's going to edit this week ever again. Uh, and for that, I'm eternally grateful. <laughs> because those, those weeks when it was uh, we all take turns and you do a month of edits, that that was to kill a man.
0: Oh, the dark days.
2: <laughs> the dark, dark days. But <laughs> yeah, thank you very much, boys. It has is, it is truly been a treat.
0: Right back at you, Matt. Absolutely. It's been, been a pleasure. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool bit. We'll come to you next. <clears throat> what would you like your closing statement to be about the show? So, you yeah, my thought,
3: know, my thoughts on letting things end, right? <laughs> uh, well, it's interesting because I, I don't think you guys realize how much of an outlet this is. Uh, this has been me because you guys invited me on the show and we hadn't really spoken. Hmm and we hadn't met at that time in real life we'd
0: read your blog but not actually kind of spoken to you in person kind of thing
3: which is like really touching because i think i was devoted to my blog i mean i wrote 600 posts for god's sake it's crazy and then i got to a point where i was like i really need to engage with people and as much as you engage with twitter that's it's never quite the same and then over the last couple of years things on twitter aren't engaging anymore um but i always uh And my blog, as I was writing, I never engaged as much with it anymore because I got not bored, but I found myself writing about the same stuff again and again and again. And I realised I had to change. But then this has been that bridge, and I've been on this show, I love talking about it, which is the reason why I can't let it go. So I do want to do more stuff next year, and I do want to do some other things, but because I don't get to talk comics. I don't get to talk to anyone who reads comics, where I live and the people that I know. So, And because I tweet about it, well, I can't talk about it. There has to be something else, but it's been so much fun to bitch, and to whine and, <laughs> and talk about butts. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I'll not ever have that again, and that makes me sad. But more. Um, but it always always good fun to be chatting to you guys, and I'm for, I'm grateful for you inviting me on to do that.
0: Like I said, I, I was a fan of yours as well, Callum, before we kind of really properly connected in, and had you on the show. So it's been really cool having you as a regular host joining us for the, the Volume 2 side of things. And yeah, it's been a pleasure and I expect big things from you in the future. I think this is almost more of a watch this space kind of announcement from you. I think I can, I can see, like you said, I, you I, I, you going on to I, I, bigger things.
3: I, I love comics too much. They play too much important part of like the catharsis of my life. They really do, like, you've no idea. Like, uh, uh, if I don't read comics in a week, I get quite kind of miserable. Like, I get a chance to kind of switch off from my real life, which is not that easy at times. And that's why it has to carry on. (laughs) There's no doubt about that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'll come next to a guy who's now seen it from both sides as a listener and now joining us for the final episode. Mike, do you have any final thoughts?
4: Oh I mean, I'm gonna try not to cry, beg you <laughs> guys not to go. <laughs> I mean it's it's too much too much things coming to an end. You know, you guys haven't I don't think I've ever told you how much you've meant to me as far as helping me rediscover my love of comics. Um, I was just a guy who you know had a little bit of time on his hands and downloaded a few comics and started to read again and needed to be pointed in the right direction. And, you know, as I started listening and started getting these recommendations way more to keep up with than I possibly could, I, you know, felt like like I was making new friends every week. And, you know, lo and behold, here I am on the Skype line, talking with my good friends almost five years, you know, um, like I said, it's, 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 it's an ending, but maybe it's not. Maybe it's that everything gets a second act.
0: Everything gets so, rebooted eventually. There's going to be a new number one at some point. It's comics, for fuck's sake. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah.
3: so, so, Michael, Michael, thank you for coming on the show. It's. it's I'm really glad that you're here.
0: Absolutely. I, I've been trying to get Mike on for about three years at this point, and it's just been my terrible organization skills and time zones and all kinds of other shit, and it's just been... I'm so glad we finally managed to do it. And it. And I think it's appropriate that you were our first supporter on Patreon. You're one of the first guys who I kind of connected with on Twitter through the kind of comics thing. And that's really kind of developed our friendship over the last few years. And yeah, I think it's it's, it's been an absolute pleasure having the feedback from you. And I thank you so much for all your support over the years.
4: And I thank you guys for keeping me engaged and uh, giving me thinking good thoughts about comics at a time where comics discourse has been been rough.
0: To say the least. (laughs) When when we can all have positive experiences on Twitter together, it kind of hopefully balances out all the shit that you have to wade through on Twitter sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So, of course, I have to come to my podcasting brother, the man who's been with me since episode one, the rock of the show. Dan, do you have any final thoughts?
1: Uh, it's, it's, I'm a little immersed. Um, it's hard to say, and thank you. Um, I think that's all I can really stomach saying about the person to tears, <laughs> to be honest. Um, just thank everyone. Thank everyone for listening. Thank for the people. Thank... You to the people that came on. Thank you for uh, you guys um, for ins- just inspiring me in places. It's just it's a general, massive thank you. And it's been an utter pleasure being able to rant and be as verbose as I am, and no one just for a sock in my head Um, to tell me to shut up. Or something. Um I, I don't know, I just have kind of overcome. It's, it it seems so long ago, like that, that, that small conversation me, you, Free and a few other people had on the Intercomics website of should we make a podcast? And now like we're at the end of it. It's it's kind of a weird feeling and I'm getting quite emotional about it all. Um but it's been amazing. And uh, I've made some awesome friends.
4: So thank you. Well, and anytime you're in New York, tricks on me, dude. Excellent.
0: <laughs> so, I guess it falls down to me. The first voice you heard on episode one will be one of the final voices. Because <laughs> we'll have a little something special at the end, listeners. Don't worry. But I, I want to reiterate what you guys have said. I want to thank you all, four of you, and. No, Ted and Rosie who joined us on the show, Dean Tripp, Cullen Bunn, Mags Versaggio, all the guests we've had on over the years, and I really want to kind of take a minute to say a huge thanks to, to Lee Campbell, Mr. Intercomics, the guy who owns com and the intercomics store in Huddersfield. The fact that he gave Dan and I a chance to use his name, use his brand and go forward and do something. And he said say whatever you want. You don't have to be one of those kind of kiss assing super positive shows. You don't have to be, you know, being braggadocious and getting headlines for me. Just be honest. Say what you feel. And I'll tune in. I'll support you guys. Whatever you need kind of stuff. A huge thanks to Lee for giving us that opportunity. And I know you know, the name into comics will live on through him and, and long past us as Of course, Free Costin, our original co-host with Dan and I. Um huge thanks to Free for all the the amazing early episodes and support and laughs and I will never forget the moment where she realized on air that John Barrowman is gay. <laughs> which is still one of our most <laughs> listened to episodes ever, by the <laughs> way. Still, one of the the best, most ridiculous, <laughs> fantastic moments in the history of this show. Um, Mike, like I said, you've been a huge all of us, and I can't appreciate and thank you enough. Our other patrons who helped us support us financially, paid for the website, paid for SoundCloud and stuff like that. That's Rob, Colbert, Quasi Bonsu, Ben Allen, all those guys. Thank you so much for your support. You've got people like Alex Adrock, you have got Jason Venable, which is the the cast man himself, Chris Wakefield and the Talk Nerdy to me guys. It's just been yeah. We I feel like we've really built this community of people on Twitter and it's been a fantastic experience for me and yeah, thank you all so much for the last four and a half years and nearly two hundred it it's not an overstatement to say that this show has changed my life in so many ways. From introducing me to hosting and making podcasts in the first place to introducing me to friends like you guys who I want to keep in contact with for the rest of my life. I hope that we're all in our 80s and still talking about comics and talking about bullshit and politics and stuff in whatever Twitter exists in 2057 or whatever it is. And uh, I guess if there's a final few words I want to say... It'd be a kind of a a mantra for the listeners. I want you to continue to read good comics even without us recommending things to you and continue to recommend things to each other on Twitter, in person. Go to your local comic book shop, meet new people, at the people behind the counter and just spread positivity because you have to wade through so much shit and so much negativity on the internet, especially in the comics community. We've got a way to go, but I hopefully... Small communities like ours and the bigger communities are moving things in the right direction for a, a positive outcome. And keep supporting new and unique and upcoming creators. Try new books. Pick up things. You see the cover. Oh, that looks cool. Pick it up. Try not see what it's like. And, yeah, keep it positive. Thank you so much for listening. And, of course, Hail Hydra. Hail Hydra. Hail. Okay, are you ready? Three, two, one... <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> it was so much easier
2: when we were drunk
0: I know, right? It's, it's so much easier in person <laughs> um, Oh,
2: well let, let, let's hope that you can play the proper one after this now
0: <laughs> and I will Would leave you listeners with the actual thing and uh-huh. thank you to John Boswell for composing that theme uh, it has lived on in infamy thanks to our terrible acapella
3: <laughs> Sounds, sounded great
0: <laughs> no it didn't, stop lying to us <laughs> <laughs> that, oh, wow. well thank you very much as it's been and all a my pleasure co-hosts. Uh, Until we meet again. On the Intercomics Podcast.